Hello everyone and welcome to Wealth Chat presented by CGI. My name is Labna Bibi, I lead research for our global wealth and capital markets practice in Toronto and I am your host. For this episode, I had a chat with Kelly Walsh. Kelly is a director for consulting services within Global Wealth. We spoke about some of the interesting trends Kelly observed during the pandemic, innovations in advisor technologies, and growth in philanthropy. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Labna. We're very excited that you're here, and we have a lot of fun topics to discuss today. But before we get started, please take a moment to introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, So my name is Kelly Walsh. I'm uh, the Director of uh, Global Wealth Consulting and Capital Markets here in Vancouver, um, British Columbia for CGI. Um, I've been in the industry my entire career, so um, I've been in financial industry for 28 years. I'm dating myself a little bit there, um, but I also uh, sit on the board in the U.S. for Investments and Wealth Institute, and I'm also on the board for their Canadian Advisory uh, Board, and um, you know, just have a real passion for you know wanting to improve the quality and professionalism of the industry and the, the quality of advice that um, we're giving our retail clients. That's great. And, you know, since you did mention you're from BC, um, if there was one place in BC that you would recommend everyone should visit, what would that place be? Oh, gosh, I, uh, I am originally from Ontario. So you're right, I do love BC. And that's why I came out here to visit and never went back. Um, and I think people will probably kill me for not saying Vancouver because it is such a wonderful spot, but I think everybody knows about Vancouver. So I'm going to go with somewhere a little bit more remote um, on Vancouver Island, uh, north part of the island. There's an area called Tofino and um, Euclid, otherwise known as Yuki. And I just love it there. I think it's um, it's a great spot to go. It's a little less known and and yet um, and a little more rustic um, and yet it's a great spot to go kind of any time of the year because you can go you know on long beach walks you can go hiking biking you can learn how to surf etc but um, it's a great place to go even in the winter time because you can have some amazing storm watching and um, a lot of the places are right on the beach so the next piece of land is Japan and um, it's pretty spectacular scenery. So yeah, I would say there. Tofino and Yuki. <laughs> Those uh, all sound great. And I love the idea of rustic and beaches. So I will definitely be adding that to my list. Um, now, let's get started uh, with some of our topics for today. I-, I wanted to start off with, we're still sort of in the midst of a pandemic. Obviously, things are getting better. You know, uh, cases are dropping in a lot of places. We have less restrictions. Um, you know, people are allowed some more freedoms now, which is amazing. But in terms of the industry, what have been some of the biggest surprises during this pandemic that you've witnessed? Yeah, um, it's a great question. There's, I'd say there's a, a lot of big surprises. Um, and one that I think I've you know, kind of surprised me given, you know, the turbulence of the market in the early days of uh, the pandemic and, um, you know, just all that's going on is that client satisfaction is actually up depending on which study you look at. It's anywhere between 80 to 87% of clients are satisfied. Um, But the second half of that equation is that 
uh, client loyalty is actually down by 10%. So when you think about that, it's like, it, how does that work together? Um, but you can tell that loyalty is down um, because advisors are still having their best years. So that means that lots of money is in motion and the advisors who are um, really doing all the right things are the benefactors of that and they're gathering more assets in this market environment. Um, and so, you know, one of the things around that is that, you know, satisfaction, loyalty, and referrals are, are all part of like a bigger factor that I like to measure, which is really client engagement. And how you drive client engagement is all around client experience. And, um, you know, if you can deliver a highly personalized client experience, then, uh, you know, it, it will help that, that engagement factor. So I'd say, you know, Satisfaction's up, loyalty's down, and the advisors that are are really grabbing onto this and and um, delivering a highly personalized client experience are the benefactors of that, and they're having their best years yet. The other big surprise that I've seen though is that advisors are on the move. So I it actually really surprised me to see how many advisors uh, are changing firms in the last eighteen months and. Um, I normally get some calls from advisors because they've known me as their practice management coach and consultant, and I'm kind of their, uh, you know, uh, spot where they can confide and be open up all of the their truths. And you know, I normally get a, a few calls in a year about wondering about this firm or that firm, and this past 18 months, I've had a lot more calls just asking me, what do you think? Uh, what do you think? What have you heard about this firm and that firm, et cetera? So those would be my biggest surprises. Yeah, no, that sounds really fascinating, particularly the third surprise that you had there that advisors are moving, you know, given the current climate um, and how volatile things still are, you know, we're still a bit shaky with the virus and the pandemic. So like what's going on? Why do these advisors feel that this is a good time for them to be moving around? Well, you know, I think I've seen this, you know, phenomenon of movement. Most of the calls that I'm getting are mostly, ironically, it's away from the bigger firms. So it's like bank owned firms and they're mostly looking to go and, and, research or get in, they're interested in independent firms. And I saw this kind of start about 15 years ago in the US. And the shift was really away from the larger firms like Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, UBS, and more moving to Schwab, Fidelity, Pershing, um, Raymond James, TD Ameritrade, etc. And over you know, time, the market share of the wealth management assets in general has been dropping for those larger firms. Um, I think the stats were around 42% back in the early 2000s and now they're, you know, 2018 or so is around 32%. But the prediction is for that to drop even more and by 2023 it's predicted to be around 29%. So so that move that we have been seeing in the US is likely to come up to Canada as well. And well we already start we're start, starting to see that happen. Right. So uh, I guess the question is, what's occurring in Canada now to push this movement? Yeah, I would think that some of it is, you know, the 
they advisors want that to be free of that perceived potential conflict of interest in terms of the push towards proprietary product and um, only selling, you know, the the bank proprietary product or their firm managed um, solutions. And so I think there's a little bit of concern around that. Um, they want some freedom of sales pressures and that proprietary product, which they feel is a bit of a conflict of interest. But I think there's also um, a lot of financial benefits that they're considering, right? And so when you think about financial benefits, like the grid, obviously, um, just having a bigger portion of that grid by going independent, uh, the ability to incorporate is another big driver. Um, and then I'd say there's also, you know, the as advisors are starting to look to succession out of the business, their multiples are higher when they're at independent firms. And in some cases, in, in the larger firms, they don't even have an option, especially if they're a salaried employee and a financial planning role at a bank, they're starting to say, like, that's not even on the table for me uh, here. Uh, why don't I start thinking about being able to transition now? And then in five years, it's called the double dip. You get paid to go and then you get paid again when you retire. So um, I'd say there's those uh, things that are, you know, running through people's minds. And I think, you know, COVID has prompted a lot of introspection, right? It's given advisors a lot of time to sit and rethink how and where they work and how and where they want to work. And in the last 18 months, they've been working out of the home at the kitchen table and they're starting to discover, you know, hey, I can work from home. So that means I could probably work from anywhere. And, you know, I should probably start re-examining, like, do I really need all of that real estate? What am I getting for the fees that I'm paying my firm? Um, how have I been treated through this shutdown, right? Do I feel well supported? Um, you know, and what are the skills that are going to allow me to compete in the new world? Because I think we all know that the world has changed. It's not going back to the old way. And so what are the things that I need to support me to be able to compete in that new world? Is my firm um, supporting or hindering me in that movement? And so I think that's the the reason you're seeing this, you know, breakaway advisor. Right. Uh, no, that that's a great explanation. And and I think you know, for a long time, advisors have also had a lot of issues with the tool sets that they were provided with. They felt like, you know, they didn't necessarily have everything they needed to cater to their clients because, as we know, the industry continues to evolve. Uh, clients are always coming to their advisors, you know, wanting something new or wanting a different service. Um, financial wellness is an example that's propping up across the industry now. Have you seen any innovative technologies and tool sets in the market that you feel would help advisors meet client demands and needs? Yeah, so just backing up a little bit from like where you were going there, there's a stat out there that um, we've done some research with advisors and we've seen that 77% of advisors said that they've lost business as a result of not having the right tech tools. So, you know, when you think about that, that is a huge driver for an advisor. And so if you know, the firm isn't supporting them in investing in the right technology to allow them to compete in that new world, then it's it's definitely a bit of a push factor. Um, and I think even the competition has changed, right? So it's, 
<laughs> our competitors are now Apple and Amazon because that's who's setting the client experience standards and and their expectations, right? So everything needs to be um, tech enabled, timely, and hyper personalized. So when you think of what type of technology we could be investing in, um, you know, I think there's a few different tiers of technology, right? So first there's foundational, the, the must-haves that, you know, you need this. This is like table stakes. So trading, model portfolios, rep as PM, SMA, UMA, and even the move towards um, unif UMH. So um, SMA, separately managed account, UMA, unified managed account, and UMH, unified managed household. Um, so the the trading platforms critical, CRM critical, financial planning critical. But then um, you start thinking about other things that you need to be layering on. And there's a lot of great technology out there. Gosh, it's coming out so fast and furious. I attended the Advice Tech Live um, session not that long ago, and through that we got to see some of the new technology that's coming out that's really innovative and hasn't even been released yet but um, some of the highlights of that would be things such as you know mind mapping software which has been around but it's just new features adding on to that um, asset map is a great one where it has um, the ability to like map out all of a client's assets on one page and it allows you to see everything visually as a one big picture and Anyone who knows me knows that I've, I've been a big fan of financial vision documents. And that's really about the soft stuff. It doesn't have the, any numbers. It's really void of, of numbers, but it's speaking to the hearts and the minds of the clients and really painting a picture of with high quality images, as well as the, um, you know, qualitative language that surrounds, you know, what are the things that I'm trying to accomplish in the future as a client? Like, what are my hopes, needs, dreams, goals, etc. But it's void of numbers. And so this asset map um, idea is a really um, great add on tool to that financial vision document, because what it's doing is it's now mapping everything out on one page where um, these assets reside, you know, what type of accounts they're in, etc. So I think that's um, a unique one. And then, of course, you know, the financial plan. Uh, it, we know that the the days of 60 page financial plans are gone the way of the dodo bird. Um, you know, I think you might still have a 60 page plan, but that's a tool for the advisor and it's not for a client consumption. And so the idea of having a one page financial plan um, technology is here and able to do that for you. So um, really breaking it down into the, the highlights of what, is important to a client and putting it all on one page so it's easy to see. But then taking that, you know, 60 page plan that might actually be produced, but sitting in the advisor's hands and not putting it in front of a client and taking some of the core concepts of that and breaking it down into bite-sized pieces. So the ability to break it down into small chunks digitally nudge clients if they're not in a face-to-face -face environment with um, you know, an advisor. So you can digitally nudge them and educate them through um, you know, online um, experiences. Or in the case of a higher net worth client who is coming in and sitting with an advisor, you know, breaking it down into, okay, this is the, the topic of the quarter that we're gonna sit and work on and really um, you know, just making it more digestible for people.
and actually like taking action on it rather than ha having a financial plan that is handed to them, their eyes glaze over, they walk out feeling a little bit more, um, you know, overwhelmed with, oh my goodness, I've got all these things to do. They get home, it puts, you know, they put it in a, a filing cabinet and they don't look at it again until the next time their advisor um, brings it up again, right? No, that that's great. And I think the key word there was actionable. Um, you know, having, it's great to have that, you know, very detailed 60 pages. But if you feel like there aren't any actionable pieces or that you can't uh, really act or benchmark, because it is a lot of information for clients to be able to consume. And, you know, we've seen in certain surveys that um, there there's a cohort of clients who believe they're advisor does not do financial planning for them when the advisor indeed does. And that's because, you know, they meet their advisor maybe on a semi-annual basis. There's a large uh, chunk of things that your topics that have to be covered. And then when they come out of that, they feel they feel very overwhelmed and they're not aware that, you know, portions of a plan were created for them or were discussed because they just have all their information that was presented to them in this one go. So having tooling that can break things down and make things more digestible, yeah, uh, and I, I think, think is key. Yeah, and I think, sorry to interrupt, I think you've, you've hit on um, something that it's called the perception gap, right? It's what has actually happened is kind of irrelevant. It's what the client perceives has happened, right? And there's this you know, study where it says you, you ask the advisor, have they delivered a financial plan? They say yes. You ask the client and they say, nope. And so it's that, you know, we have to translate this language somehow. And it's it's all around um, going back to one of my earlier comments around that um, satisfaction versus loyalty and that engagement factor. And it's really how do the clients feel, right? It's And there's um, my good friend, Julie Littlechild, with Absolute Engagement, has a whole um, confidence index. And, and I think that's where the magic lies, is really how confident do clients feel about their financial future, about achieving the goals, dreams, et cetera, that they've laid out. And if they have any level of uncertainty, it doesn't matter if there is, in fact, a 60-page document of a financial plan. It doesn't matter if you've tackled, you know, three quarters of that or none of it. If they don't feel confident in those next steps, that's where you run into trouble. And that's where that loyalty um, comes into play. And so, when you look at what's gone on in the last 18 months, I think everyone has felt a bit uncertain. Even though markets have corrected, it was a, probably the quickest um, correction I've seen. Um, it, it's There's so much uncertainty out there. The world has changed and it's that confidence factor that's impacting clients. And so, you know, this is where when you start looking at some of the things that, um, you know, clients are saying post-pandemic, during pandemic, that they're actually looking for more meetings with their advisors. Um, they're looking for more, you know, reassurance. And, you know, it's because there's so much uncertainty in the world and, and their confidence levels are going down. So the advisors that are addressing that um, are, are going to win market share. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think given the current environment with the pandemic and not being able to see face to face um, or, you know, sit in your advisor's uh, 
um, office the way clients used to has really, you know, put a spotlight on the importance of technology. Um, and you mentioned something earlier, which is, you know, providing nudges along the way to complete to help complete things like a financial plan, um, or, you know, even it could even relate to a new account opening uh, application, you know, perhaps the client is now facing a different situation. Um, and a new accounts needed and now instead of having to you know go through the frustration of trying to go through paperwork to open this account you have a much simpler and easier process um so i i think all of that's great and you know keep i suppose keeping with that theme of the pandemic the other thing that it has really highlighted in my opinion has been you know the fragility of life and i feel like a lot of people are noticing this um, until in the past little while, we've seen a trend in philanthropy. You have a lot more clients going to their advisors and asking about philanthropy, you know, wanting to update their plans in a certain way, wanting to leave, you know, portions of their accounts to certain charities or, or other institutions uh, that they feel they would like to support. And we've seen, you know, a lot of movement in term in the industry as well. And we have a lot of um, our research partners coming out with reports uh, covering this topic. So uh, I suppose when we look at the client um, and the advisor relationship, like the advisor role has expanded so much and they obviously, you know, are not equipped to deal with every single situation um, or, you know, every task that comes their way. Like what can firms do right now or what can advisors be doing to, you know, ensure that they're having good conversations with their clients when it comes to topics such as philanthropy? Yeah, so, I mean, I think there, there's no way an advisor can be the expert on all things um, related to clients, right? And so I think the, the biggest uh, component here is recognizing what is the role that they play. And I think their role to play is really being the steward of, you know, all of the relationship and saying, who are the people that I need to bring to the table at this particular time for this particular client? And it's not going to be the same for you, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, and it's not going to be the same for you, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So the idea of knowing when, it, you know, almost like a ringmaster, right? Bringing in the right people at the right time and bringing them to the table. So you think of um, the big firms, they've been <clears throat> largely, uh, way ahead of this. They have all these resources and um, trust departments and legal departments and whatnot to be able to bring to the table and help those clients through, um, you know, those those more complex times. But traditionally, it's been pretty siloed. And so the idea of breaking down those barriers um, and having a true integrated wealth offer is where we're going. And in some cases, we're already there. So um, when you look at you know, who are the experts that you want to be partnering with, making sure you have them, you know them, and you know exactly when to bring them in and bring them in to have that conversation and be present with them so that you are part of this journey. You're not just handing them over to them. You as an advisor are a part of that journey. So um, I think when you look to the independents, I think they have a huge opportunity to be able to forge connections and partnerships with law firms and even develop reciprocal referral arrangements with them. Um, but the name of the game and, and the, the theme here is being more connected, more in sync, and more attuned to when I need those experts and you bringing them to me when I need them. Absolutely. And 
um, you know, we've uh, touched on this before as well, but with the pandemic and the introduction of technologies and everyone getting very accustomed to doing things online, um, you know, might it be over um, Skype or Teams or Zoom or whatever technology um, clients and advisors advisors are deploying, but it's just the fact that, you know, you don't have to go into the office of a specialist anymore, right? So if a firm has, let's say, a trust department, you can now very easily leverage individuals in that department and you can just, you know, have a quick Zoom meeting with them um, and the client to figure out a plan instead of having to, you know, invite that person, set a certain, you know, time and space for the client to come in, the specialist to come in and then have this discussion. It's like we're almost a bit more agile now and we're able to, you know, be more efficient and get and uh, just get things done, which <laughs> sometimes uh, can be a challenge when you're trying to involve, you know, different parties into a certain process. Yeah. And, you know, back to a little bit of that technology component here, um, you know, you think about the ability to do all of this virtually now, you know, there's about half the clients out there have stated already in a number of the surveys that I've looked at are saying that they actually think that they like it better being virtual because it's given them time back to, you know, not have to drive downtown, not have to go in, find parking, et cetera. And so they're looking for advisors who have really fully embraced the, the virtual environment and being able to deliver on a high quality client review, client meeting uh, virtually. And so, you know, the next evolution is really having those great um, client portals and online tools, because even high net worth clients are saying that they're very digital savvy. They like having these things at their fingertips to be able to do a little bit of the, um, you know, looking at their reporting, um, you know, are they tracking to goals? So goals-based reporting is a huge one. Um, and, and being able to tackle that on their own, you know, digitally, when they want 24 7 and being able to leverage text messaging or life live chat to be able to ask a quick question here or there um, and then saving those big more complex um, uh, you know questions where they're evaluating trade-offs or they just feel like it's a little bit they need more hand-holding for that bigger higher quality meeting whether that they then move back to a face-to-face -face environment or um, they're still comfortable doing that virtually. Um, but I do think it is interesting to see how, you know, about 50% of the clients are saying, you know, good quality meetings can be done virtually. Um, and 50% are saying, nope, I want to get back in and see my advisor face to face. So, you know, the, uh, I think it was Michael Kitsis who had a really great quote and he said, in the future, consumers won't pick the best advisor in their area. They will find the best advisor to solve their problems anywhere. And I mean, that's where we're at, right? You need to be able to um, service and answer questions in any environment. And if it's the client preferences face-to-face, -face, you better know that and deliver face-to-face -face reviews. If the client's preference is virtual, you better know that and you better be offering them virtual reviews. So hyper-personalization is the name of the game. No, I, I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, I think it's very, very hard to now try to uh, debate that 
you know, we're not moving towards the hybrid era because we are. Everyone's getting very comfortable. Um, in one of the previous uh, episodes of this podcast, I spoke a bit about the involuntary tech revolution. And, you know, we've all, the pandemic kind of forced us all to start relying on technology. And now, and now that we have been for over a year, we've become very comfortable with it. And we trust it because things have worked out well. Uh, and so I, I think that, you know, as with everything, obviously the face-to-face -face versus virtual meetings will find a balance. Um, and for bigger pieces, I feel that clients will still want to go into the office and, or, you know, or meet somewhere else where they can actually sit down with their advisor, you know, in person, just because there's a certain comfort level to that, having someone that you trust your finances with being right there with you and helping guide you, uh, I think is very powerful. Um, and I think that's a great note to also end this podcast on. Was there anything else that you wanted to discuss that we didn't get to? No, I don't think so. I think we, we covered it all. Um, I just, I would say that, you know, the business has changed from a financial services business to a financial decisions business. And so the role of the advisor is really, you know, at the, the base level, it's like, what is the service that's expected? And that's what clients are looking for. What's your offer? That's covering off the different needs, et cetera. But really where the advisor is, is um, in a leadership position with their clients. And that's around giving good guidance and helping them overcome the individual challenges, concerns, aspirations. And if you do that and you, you keep your eyes kind of squarely focused on that top part of the pyramid, which is all around empathy, coaching, guidance, advocacy, the relationship, um, and really understanding and, you know, really understanding the client at on a human level i think that um is where the world is going and and if you do that you you can't go wrong and there will be um plenty of uh successful advisors in years to come that is the perfect ending to this thank you kelly 